Preston. I enjoyed hearing from you Friday night. Light your hair on fire. Wahoo! Let's go. Uh, yes, is there something new now? You just don't worry about things like that when we're doing this. This is. She goes, when are you going to get him up for a Sunday morning sermon? Well, you've been pushing him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for the pushing. That's really good. Yeah. Well, he's got it in him, no doubt whatsoever. All right. Oh, that Lena. What are you going to do with her? Love her. <laughs> All right, so next uh, Sunday's our family meal, and we decided to make it open season <laughs> for whatever reason. That's kind of fun. It's hunting week. We started a sermon that, that I warned you was just a quick overview, and then we were going to go into them um, as we went. And it all started from just this concept from touching heaven, changing earth. That was last week's sermon. And we talked about the power of prayer, which is our divine weapon to change the earth. We talked about power and authority, which is our divine ability to work on the earth. We talked about our purpose, our divine call from God to touch the earth. We talked about our place, which is our divine position in the body to touch the earth. And then people, which is our divine reason for being here on the earth. And so today we're going to talk about this prayer, our divine weapon to touch the earth in a little bit more detail. So we started out with this verse from Matthew chapter uh, 6, verses 9 and 10. And Jesus is doing a teaching in, called the Sermon of the Mount. And so part of it, he goes like this. He says, pray then in this way. So he's giving us direction in how to pray. He says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is where we're going to stop because this is where the concept comes from touching heaven, changing earth, is that we, we get a hold of who God is in heaven, get a hold of his picture of how things are to be, and then we bring that to the earth. And the reason he has us do that is because he's placed us in positions of authority on this earth and it's, he's never taken it back. When he gave Adam and Eve authority, he told them to subdue the earth. And that means to bring it under the authority of the Lord. You remember how it was. It says that the earth was without form and void. Then he, he called everything into existence, made them, and he made a garden. So the rest of what they were to do is that was under their authority and their control. And they were to have children and expand and increase and bring the whole earth under the subjection of the rule and reign of God and his glory. And so that's, that's still present with us who are his people. He's called us to be his people and to stand strong in his name. And so that's why he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. He wants us to pray that. He wants us to bring that in. He wants to, to release his life through us. And so I'm just going to, Tell us about four things I think that are that are pretty connected to this 
prayer, our divine weapon to touch the earth. Now, remember, I'm always stressing. If you haven't caught the one word that's in everything I'm saying, his divine In other words, this is stuff that comes from God. This is stuff that comes from his hand to us. It's not something that we generate. It's not something that we empower. It's something that he gives us to flow through us to bring about his will. So everything I'm talking about is in connection with God and his release of life through us. And so the first thing is the divine power of intimacy. And that's a great one because... Jesus really does this. Um, You know, when you look at the Old Testament, there's hardly any reference of God as Father. Hardly any reference whatsoever. He's the Almighty. He's the Great I Am. He's all these things. But Jesus, all he ever talks about is the Father. He He doesn't really call him much anything else than the Father because he has that intimate relationship with God, the Father. And, And he makes that thing known. It's, it's very, very powerful. And so Jesus took time to be with the Father. And I like this part of it. He, he did take time to be with the Father. And when, if you think about his life, when we see the Gospels and everything that's going on, what happened to Jesus? People just crowded him. They were constantly crowding him and, and being around him. Sometimes he couldn't even... He couldn't even hide. He'd try to hide and they'd hunt him down. He'd try to go to a location to get away from the crowds to rest for a little while, to be in the presence of the Lord. But they'd chase him down and there was always people around him. And and so it says this in Luke chapter uh, 5, verse 15. It says, But the news about him was spreading even further, farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. It says, but Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness to pray. So Jesus would sneak away so he could pray because the people and demands and the things that everyone wanted. So uh, he would do it. And if we look at this one here in in Mark, it says he, he, he even snuck away early in the morning. Mark chapter 130 Uh, 5 says this in the morning while it was still dark jesus got up left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there so he's he's trying to he's going okay if i wake up really really early and i tiptoe out of this house they're not going to find me and so he would go and he would pray because he wanted to be with the father and you know that's his whole thing there's this relationship that we have with god that that's so unique and so wonderful. It's, it's not even the same as they had in the Old Testament because Jesus brought us near. And of course, we have the presence of God within us. You know, that's the amazing thing. But we can approach Him as Father and we can have that intimate relationship with Him and really allow Him to move in our hearts. And we know this part too, but when you think of this, that Jesus was in constant communication with the father all day long he was just constantly in there and here's john chapter 5 verses 19 through 20 therefore jesus answered and was saying to them truly truly i say to you the son can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the father doing and for whatever the father does these things the son also does in like manner 
For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. And so Jesus is talking about having that relationship and having his his heart open to the Father in every situation as he's moving throughout the day. And you know that the very same thing can happen for us because it says to pray without ceasing. When it says pray without ceasing, do you think you have to you know, get in a prayer position and, oh God, and, and, and never stop praying. It's like you're walking along in life and you're saying, God, look at this situation. What am I to do? Show me what's up. Tell me what I can do. And to be open and to hear and to listen and to realize that we're coming to him as father and we're not coming to him as a slave. And what did Jesus say, you know, in, in, um, Oh, let me see. I'm pretty sure it's in John chapter 15. It says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. But after he says that, he says, he says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And the reason I'm calling you friends is because I'm telling you what the Father's telling me. I'm revealing my heart, the Father's heart, and my heart to you. What he speaks, I'm revealing it to you. That's how we know we're friends of God is because he's communicating and sharing these things as we walk through life and how to do it. And so there's the, a divine power of intimacy that comes from the Father. And so what God's trying to do for us is to let us capture his heart and get his heart and to figure out how to bring his heart to this place and the people that we come in contact with. Not only the people, but the circumstances and situations that we see the things that we see in our city, the things that we see, well, wherever. It doesn't matter. It can be in our home. It can be in our families. It can be in our friends. It can be in our community. It can be in our state, our nation, or even the world. Because God wants to impact. You know, it says it so clearly. It says what things, you know, as they are in heaven on earth. And so we see what God's up to from his position and then we move forward and we do what he wants us to do and we're doing the heart of the Father just like Jesus. And so that's really the foundation for everything that we have when we talk about prayer. And so that is good. He wants us to see his heart. But I wanted us to see this. I, I entitled this the divine weapon to touch the earth. And I want us to see this because this is important that when, when we pray, it's not just a communication with God. God's empowered us to do warfare on his behalf on this earth. And that really becomes an important one. We looked at this scripture last week, but we'll look at it again. And then another one that... Uh, but I want us to see this and how important it is that we understand that prayer's just not talking with God. Prayer's not just hearing stuff from God. Our our prayer is is warfare. There's a part of it that's warfare. We get God's heart and then we pray for it to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because you remember the first verse we talked about, he says, Pray this way. Your kingdom come. So he's talking about prayer. For us to pray with faith and belief and with persistence to pray these things. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, and it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. For we are destroying speculations, every lofty thing erased against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so I want you to see, listen to how many warfare words are in here. In just this little passage, it says war. It says weapons, warfare, destruction of fortresses, destroying, taking captive. And that captive is prisoner of wars. Taking every thought captive is like a prisoner of war. You force it and you control the thoughts that are there. And so there's this picture of warfare and that when we pray in faith according to God's purpose, what's in, in, in heaven onto the earth, then we're involved in a warfare. And what's so nice about this is Ephesians tells us what the warfare is all about. So Ephesians chapter 6, and you guys are experts on all these passages because you've heard them many times. I'm sure you've read them over and over again. But when you think about what he says, in starting in verse 10 of chapter 6 in Ephesians, And here's what I really like how he starts this off. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He uses three words for power and strength. And so he says, be strong in the Lord, right? And in the strength of his might. So he's never telling us in our own flesh and our own ability to be strong. He's telling us to be strong in the Lord, to fix our eyes on him, to put our focus upon him. And then he says... Put on the full armor of God. Now, whose armor is it? Yeah, isn't that interesting? It says, put on the full armor of God. Well, well, what am I putting on God's armor for? Shouldn't it be mine? Well, it's his armor because these things only come from him. You know, we were, Suzette and I were listening to Jeremiah the other day, and it was talking about one of the kings and how the king came and he made... He, he did all this uh, weaponry for his military, and, and it talks about the shields and the javelins and, and the swords and all the different things that he had created. He even had the ability to create these incredible things to, to uh, put in on the city of Jerusalem. They were some special things that the Lord actually opened up to him and allowed him to, to put to help protect and guard the people. And so this armor comes from God. It's something that comes from him and it's not our own. And when we begin to look at this, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. And the schemes are his plots. It's, it's, it's the, the, the word that's used is uh, conveys the thing of his thoughts towards us. I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord. Remember that one? Thoughts to prosper you, to bless you, and all these things. Well, the enemy has plans for us, strategies and schemes that he wants to instill into our life. And we know from other scriptures is steal, kill, destroy, you know, bring destruction. That's his plan. He has a great plan for you. Total death. Isn't that wonderful? But God has a wonderful plan, which is, which is life. 
and life more abundant. And so, but it says so that we can stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And he tells us right here, when we're praying for things, we're not praying against people. We're praying against the spirits behind them because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This is one that's really hard to really hard to get sometimes is because when we see people doing evil it seems like oh god get them crush them kill them destroy them stop them but jesus wants those people saved just think if the early christians were praying god kill saul that saul he's hurting the church he's doing destructive things kill him destroy him but god says no i'll save him and makes him into one of his chief top warriors See, God has different ways of looking at things, and we look at people, and sometimes we think it's people, and sometimes we hate people. I'm not saying all of us, but you know, it's easy to do that and to come against people and to fight against people, and we do it in our own strength. And God wants us to understand that the battles that we're fighting is because of people who are caught in in the bondage of hell. They're deceived by the doctrines of demons. They're doing things that are opposed to the will of God because they don't understand the truth, and God wants them to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's why God tells believers to bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Pray for your enemies. He says it over and over again in various different ways so we can get the understanding of this, is that we pray pray for them and we pray for their salvation we ask god to move in their lives i know many years i years ago i'd say take them out god crush them kill them destroy them and that you know it's just like just like john and, and his brother james you know they're they're going there and said hey we went and talked to these guys and they didn't listen should we call fire from heaven let's destroy this town let's fry this town let's show them who's who and he goes you don't even the spirit that you're in you don't even know what you're talking about but you know what that happened in the old testament that's why they said we need to do this like elijah should we call down fire like elijah did well what was happening is that these troops were coming and god was showing the king this this isn't going to happen and so he just destroyed them two times actually called down fire from heaven and that's what they were asking he goes you don't get it I came to seek and save the lost. I came to bring these people to me. I didn't come to destroy them. If I wanted to do that, he could have done it. And so his heart is for people and for us when we pray to understand that we're fighting against a demonic realm that's controlling and manipulating people, sometimes by their own choice. But still, it's through deception, and we're fighting against a spiritual enemy that needs to be taken care of. It says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm, to stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having had your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you may be able to to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's what it says. Take up all these things. 
And so you see in this verse is what it's talking about. I, I like this one too, is this, this one's talking about, it says, put on the full armor, stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We have a struggle with demonic forces resisting flaming arrows of the evil one. The, the belt of righteousness, the breath, breastplate of truth, the sh- shoes with the gospel of peace, the shield, the helmet, the sword of the spirit. And then he says, prayer. He says, prayer, which is the next verse. He goes in and he talks about all this armor. He talks about this spiritual warfare. He's talking about the things that are going on. And then he talks about prayer. And so here's here's what he says. He says, pray. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which i am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it i might speak boldly as i ought to ought to speak see when when Paul, you know, if you look through some of his letters and some of the rest of the New Testament, when they talk about praying, they're talking about praying for things that, if you think about it, it's just, he says, pray for all the saints. That makes sense. All right, let's pray for believers. We're seeing that they're in a battle. Paul says, I'm in prison. Pray for me. Come on, just pray for me. Minister to me that I can preach the gospel even while I'm in prison. So he's saying, pray for all the saints and to look around, see the situations, and to pray and to believe. But then again, we said, pray for our enemies. Pray for those who, who misuse you. It says, pray for those who are in leadership. Now, you've got to think of who Paul's talking about. He's talking about the emperor. Paul's saying, pray for the emperor. Pray for the one who calls himself a god. Pray for the one who, who wants people to worship him and 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 have sacrifices to him. That's one of the things that the Jews had to deal with, you know, in the early Christians, is that everyone was supposed to to offer worship up unto the emperor. And the Jews got around it because they said, if you make us do this, you're going to have to kill us. And they were serious about it. And so they said, well, you can offer up an offering for the emperor, not to the emperor. And so they would do something for the emperor and, and get away with it that way. But, uh, but there's this pray for those who are in positions of authority. And even, you know, for how many years, hundreds of years, did the early church have to go under this kind of rule and this kind of reign? You know, in America, we're, we're truly blessed because we do have freedom of religion. We do have these kind of things that we have, and that's just an incredible thing. And by the way, you know, I want to encourage you, but I'm sure you will. Vote, vote, vote. Your vote makes a difference. We have, that's a privilege that we have that many nations don't. But we need to pray for our leaders, even if they're ungodly, even maybe more so if they're ungodly. We need to pray that God would move and to touch and to do those things and those who are fighting 
against what we consider to be the truth according to God's word. We need not to pray our judgment or speak our judgment upon them because we're not judges. We need to speak the blessings of the Lord and pray that peace would come upon the land. Why did he say to pray for our leaders and our national leaders? He says, pray so that we might have peace. And God wants to bring peace to this nation. And so when we see these things, to speak peace and speak the life of God and the purposes of God back upon this nation. And remember that we're not fighting against people or flesh and blood, but we're fighting against the work of the enemy that's infiltrated into this nation and brought it to a place where it shouldn't be in certain areas of our lives. And so remember that we're, we're fighting and we have this warfare and we have a warrior stance to say, God, bring about your plan on this earth. And the great thing about it, too, is that it's not our power. It's his divine power. That's what pulls down the strongholds. But it's us praying and being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Never asks us to be strong in our own strength. Ever. Ever. We're to be strong in the Lord. So when we put our hope in him and we put our heart toward him, that's really what begins to happen. And then there's two more things I want to talk about. One is the divine power of prayer for direction. And if you want to think about this, Jesus, you think, if we think just naturally, Jesus is the Son of God, he is God, right? He's fully, completely holy God. And yet he prayed to the Father for direction. And why did he pray to the Father? Because he, he submitted himself to be like we are. And he says, I don't do anything except for what I see the Father doing. And so that was interesting. So if you look at this, Jesus prayed all night so he could pick the 12 disciples. So here's what's going on. You know, he's going, he's teaching, and all these people are beginning to follow him, and he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger crowds, and more and more disciples, more are following him. And so he has to figure this out. He goes, okay, I get, there's got to be a time here. What do you want me to do, Father? How do you want me to approach this? Who do you want me to have? And, and so he, he chooses 12. But here's what it says in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It says it was at this time that he went off to a mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, who would, he also named apostles. So he's saying, these are my 12 key guys. And so he spent the whole night. Don't you think it'd be just like, God, give me the names. And then he gives them to you. It says he prayed the whole night. Now, I have no idea. It doesn't give us any insight into what he was praying. But obviously, he was asking God for insight to who, who to choose because when the prayer time was over, he selected 12. And so I think it's pretty clear to connect that. He's going, Father, give me direction. And it's divine direction. It comes from God. And you know, I'll tell you, we have a million decisions to make. We have so many things, that choices that we could do. The thing is, is to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in this situation? 
What person do I need to choose? What situation needs to take place for this to happen? And and really begin to ask him and to come to the Lord for direction for our lives. Because that's what one of the things Jesus said so clearly. He says that the reason, he says, it's good that I'm leaving because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to guide you. And so we have direction from the Father that's ministered to us through the Holy Spirit. And we can we can make choices that are good, but that comes through through taking the time to listen to the Lord before we make decisions, and not making decisions based on our own fears or sometimes even our own desires. Sometimes our own desires can get in the way. That's why we have to say, Lord, what do you want? Because He's got a good plan for us. He really does. Now I'm not saying. See, you can go to extremes on everything. I'm not saying, God, I'm thirsty. Can I get a drink of water? <laughs> you, you know, I'm, sometimes, some people do that. I've had people that I've heard. I asked God if I could eat breakfast this morning. I asked God what I'm supposed to eat. I asked him how much I'm supposed to eat. I asked him, that, and they ask every single thing throughout the day. And the thing is, with, with doing that, then what you're, God's gave, given you a brain. You know, if you need a drink of water, take one. Unless he says, don't drink that for some reason. Unless it's poison or something, you know. I don't know, but, but you know what I'm saying? We have things that we can do, and we don't want to go to the extreme. But, you know, when we think of the things of life and our daily life and those kind of things, what we want to do is we want to pray and we want to have his direction for, and guidance for our day, for the work that we do, for what we're trying to accomplish. We want to have his guidance, and that's what we're talking about, not every little detail. But you know what's so funny? Sometimes God will give you those little details. So you'll be starting to do something, and all of a sudden he'll give you a thought that comes and says, do this. And you're not even asking necessarily, but because your heart's open and you're listening, he's speaking, and you learn that. So there's a difference between that. And because when you say this, God, I just want to do what you want me to do. Show me, you know. And uh, yeah, we had ones like that in Bible school too. And and uh, so we just don't. We just want to have balance in that, just like everything else. I think. So then we come to a situation. We say, I don't know what to do. Well, it's real simple. Pray. Pray. And this, this is a, a, a good verse, right? James 1.5. I'm sure you're well aware of this word. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. He says, If anyone lacks wisdom, what's wisdom? Wisdom has to do with how do I do something. I need wisdom. You know, remember Solomon? He says, I, I need your help to lead this people. I'm just a kid. I need help. And so there's wisdom is, is an understanding of how to bring knowledge and truth to bear in life. Give me wisdom. And, of course, you know, that wonderful thing where they had the two prostitutes it's just incredible. I wouldn't have known what to do. These two prostitutes come. Oh, she laid on my, my child and my child's dead. No, no, it's my child. And they're arguing back and forth. And so he gets this wisdom from God. Oh, just kill the kid. No! You know, yeah, cut them in half, give them half each. But just basically, no! And he says, that's the mom. 
I wouldn't have figured that out. I would have been going, hmm, which one do I think? And that's the whole point, is that God gives us wisdom when we ask him. And if we'll, if we'll take to that and actually do it and not, you know, it says seek counsel and all those things because there's good godly counsel. But when it all comes down to it, all the counsel that we get from every single person that we ever get counsel from, it always comes down to us, Lord, is this what you're, you're speaking so that we have his will and understanding. And so that is... Um, pretty important, I think, is that we just ask. He gives us the ability to come into his throne room anytime, anytime, anytime. And then the divine power of speaking in tongues. When we're talking about prayer, this is a good one too. If you don't know how to what to pray for, just pray in tongues. And I'll tell you why in a minute, but just pray in tongues. All right, so there's the power of tongues to refresh. The power of tongues to refresh. In Jude chapter 20, or chapter 20, verse 20, that Jude got expanded 19 chapters this morning. Verse 20, but he says, You beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So when we're praying in the Spirit, we don't understand what we're, we're praying. We're speaking words, and I'm going to walk through this so that we see the benefits of this. But it says, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. So when we pray in the Spirit, something happens in our heart. Something happens that strengthens us and encourages us in the Lord. And so let's see how this works. We're going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And this, this we know from the context is in chapters 12 through 14, Paul's dealing with the stuff with spiritual gifts and he's dealing with what's going on in the church of Corinth. And in the church of Corinth, what they're doing is during their services, they're having people just speaking in tongues left and right. They're, they're jumping up like in the service, like we would give a prophetic word. They're having people jump up and they'll speak forth a word for the congregation in tongues, and then there was no interpretations. And he's saying, no, don't do that, because it brings confusion. It does all these things. He's not, he's not uh, talking about tongues like we did this morning, and Josh was singing in tongues and doing some stuff this morning. Or as we're gathering together and we're all worshiping the Lord and we're speaking in tongues, that's, that's not what he's talking about, because that's directed towards God and praise and worship. But what he's dealing with is people who... Or like all of a sudden would you know raise their hand like I got a word or something and then they'd speak in tongues and nothing, no interpretation. He says, "Man, that's crazy! Don't do that." People think you're nuts. They can't understand. They can't comprehend it. And so he begins to do a teaching on how to do tongues in in the service. But while he's doing that, he gives us some glimpses of things of what speaking in tongues actually is. Now I want to say that. In my mind, there's at least two, probably three different reasons for believers speaking in tongues. One of them is when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I know people will argue that and have all this stuff that they talk about. But I believe that's just, it's just 
seen so many times in the scriptures that when people receive the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak in tongues and prophesy and do things like that. There's multiple times in the scripture that talk about that. But then there's the speaking in tongues that takes place in the church, which is a speaking forth of a message from God that needs to be interpreted. So there's a gift of tongues and there's a gift of interpretation. It's not the gift of, I'm going to speak in another language that someone knows and they're going to interpret it. That's not what it is. Even the gift of interpretation is something that God gives. The word spoken and the gift is is given. Now, sometimes it is in a known language and someone will hear it and understand it. That's a different, that's kind of a different situation. That's not the gift of interpretation. It's just someone understanding the language and, and speaking it forth. So, so this is, we're talking about these things. That's another one. And then there's also what we call, some people call our prayer language, or just speaking in tongues is speaking to God. It's our, it's our language that comes from our spirit and we speak to the Lord. So let's look at some of the key things that it gives us understanding in and to see why in the world would speaking in tongues build us up? Why would it edify us? Why would it strengthen us? So in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, It says, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. And so when we're speaking in tongues, and we're praying in tongues, or we're singing in tongues, which we'll see all these things, we're speaking to God, we're communicating with Him, we're opening our our spirits up to Him and, and speaking to God Himself. And it says that, that, um, for no one understands, but in his spirits he speaks mysteries. So this is saying when we're praying in tongues, we're praying out of our spirit, not out of our intellect, not out of our understanding. We don't know what we're saying, but we're speaking and it's coming forth from our spirit to the spirit of the Lord. We're speaking to God. And so that really makes it an important thing. And then in verse 4, it says, One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Edifies. Hmm. Okay, that's a new one. But edifies the church. So what's the idea? What, what, what goes on when we edify? Edify means to build up or to strengthen. And it's to strengthen someone spiritually. And so a prophetic word builds up and encourages, and it strengthens, and that's the whole purpose behind it. But it says when one prays in a tongue, they're edifying themselves. Unless, of course, the interpretation comes, then there's the edifying of the whole thing. But really, when we speak in tongues, we're just we're being built up in our holy faith. We're being built up on the inside. And I don't know if it, next time you do this, just try it for a while. Next time you're kind of overwhelmed, you're feeling everything closing in on you, your emotions are going crazy, just sit, find some place, stop, and pray in tongues for five or ten minutes and see if things don't begin to change. See if your mind doesn't begin to, to be calm. See if something doesn't begin to happen. And sometimes God will even allow you to understand some of the things that you're praying and you yourself will get an interpretation knowing what you're praying or at least what you're praying about. 
And he goes, you try it. A daria, double dog daria. How's that? Whatever a double dog dare is, I don't know. But we edify ourselves, and there's something about building ourselves up. I like, I like these guys who, who say, nah, this tongue stuff isn't for today, and they go, why would you edify yourself? That's so self-centered. Well, that's the goofiest thing. Why eat? All it does is strengthen your body. It's so self-centered for you to eat. It's like, oh, why are you breathing? Oh, why are you praying? You want to be built up? That's self-centered. No, you don't get built up just so you can just hog it all for yourself. You build yourself up in the faith so that you can grow and increase and spread the good things of God. Man, they do this stuff. It says, well, then why go to church? Why get prophecy? Why get edified? Why get edified by listening to the Word of God? Well, because we're trying to grow in God. And so if we can pray and grow and edify ourselves, that's good. Because there's not always someone around. But this is good. We can strengthen ourselves by praying in tongues. And then verse 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. There again he's saying, my spirit's the one who's praying. Not my intellect, not my mind, not out of my soul, but out of my spirit. My spirit is praying. And it says, uh, where does it say? But my mind is unfruitful. Again, there's this thing. I don't understand the words I'm saying. So then in verse 15 he says this, What's the outcome then? Well, I'll pray with the Spirit, and I'll pray with my mind also. I'll sing with the Spirit, I'll sing with my mind also. So he's saying, and, and I think this has happened to me many, many times when I, when I do that, and I begin to pray in tongues, and I do it for a while, and things begin to calm. God gives me understanding, and I can pray with confidence into the situation that I'm praying. Because he gives me guidance, he shows me, edifies me, builds me up. Where I was struggling and where faith wasn't really bursting through at the seams, all of a sudden I begin to be edified and strengthened, and then I can begin to speak and begin to pray. And he says, sing. So part of this too, singing in tongues, is worship. And we know that worship also is warfare. There's also aspects of our worship that's warfare against the works of the enemy. And it brings confusion into the camp of the enemy. And it does these different things. And so prayer is just a powerful thing that we have. And so then it also says this in verse uh, 18 of chapter 14. This is my favorite part because Paul, he's, it, he always seems to be a boasting braggart. You can take him that way if you read it in the wrong spirit. Somebody who's humble can say something like, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Is he doing it to say, look at me, I'm awesome? No, he's just saying, I pray in tongues like insanity because I'm correcting you on how you're misusing tongues. I don't want you to go the opposite way, shut everything down. He says, I pray in tongues more than all of you, and I do believe that. I do believe he wasn't just bragging. I do believe he's not just making statements. He says, but he says, I pray in tongues a lot. I pray in tongues a lot. Don't shut this down. Don't shut it down. And it says, of course, later on, don't forget, for, forbid speaking in tongues. And those, it says it right in there. But he's saying, listen, I do this. I pray in tongues more than you all. And so this is an encouragement from Paul himself, I think, for us to, to learn to pray in the Spirit. So if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, pray like, use it. Pray. 
I don't get anything out of it. You'll get built up. You'll get strengthened. You'll get encouraged. Maybe you've had this happen. I've had this happen. I'm praying in tongues. You know, just doing my thing. A lot like that, exactly. But I never want to do it just for goofing. You know, I never want to pray in tongues just to say, oh yeah, I pray in tongues, and then do it. I just don't do it like that. But So I pray in tongues. <laughs> and, and so I'm praying, and all of a sudden, that's stupid. That sounds stupid. And sometimes it feels weird on my tongue because I speak in multiple different languages. I don't just speak in one. I have multiples, different times, different seasons. I speak in different tongues. And sometimes it makes your tongue feel weird. And, and, and you get this, that's stupid. Why are you doing this? This is dumb. Well, you just say shut up. You can Don't say shut up to people, but you can to the devil. Just say, no, I'm doing it. It's in the Bible. You're not shutting me down. And then I speak louder. I don't give a rip, right? Hey, blah, 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 blah. There you go. How's that? That was a good tongue. Um, yeah, somebody will cut this out and say, here's what Pastor Terry says his tongue's like. Blah, blah, blah. He's, he's, a, he's a vampire or something. Uh, people do sound bits. You do know that, right? But he says, I speak in tongues more than you also. Let's do it, and the enemy wants to stop us. So the last thing I just want to say is one other verse, is that this divine power of praying in tongues, the power, the power of prayer to hit the target. When we pray in the Spirit, it says we pray to God. It says that we pray mysteries that we don't know. And can you even begin to imagine that we can pray in the Spirit and not pray according to God's will? Well, here's something that's really interesting. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. It says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. He helps our weaknesses. And what does he say our weakness is? For we do not know how to pray, as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for word. And he who searches the heart of him, hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so I, I can't prove this, but this is my own theory, but that when we begin to pray in, in tongues, you know, the Holy Spirit's interceding for us, and he allows us to, to speak forth in, in tongues. And as we're speaking in tongues, I believe that we're praying according to the will of God and that every time we pray in tongues, we're not praying with our understanding or feelings or emotions. We're not praying with anything that can tilt us off from praying God's perfect will because we're filled with these other things. But we're speaking in, in the Spirit. And when we speak in the, in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit, we have a bullseye every time. A hundred percent accurate prayer every time and so that's why i think that this is very important and so um there you go prayers are a divine weapon for touching the earth now if you haven't been baptized with the holy spirit and speak in tongues we'd love to pray for you to do that and if you do light your hair on fire it says you know it says in the scripture a couple different places Stir up the gift that's in you. Stir it up. Stir it up. And so you can stir that up 
One, one stirring up, like Paul talks about, I think, is his calling and purpose and stuff, like for Timothy tells him to stir it up. But we need to stir up the gifts, and we need to desire the greater gifts, and we need to do it. Just do it. Light your hair and fire and speak in tongues. Pray in tongues. Go for it. Don't stop. I ask my grandkids every once in a while because they got filled with the Spirit. You still praying in tongues? I ask them every once in a while. Yep, yep. They usually say, yep, yep. I said, good, do it. Let's do it. So, Father, we... Yeah, what... what? Well, it was I when when I got I was asking God. You know, I used to get mad. I used to really get mad. I'd be I was I got saved. So then I was looking. I was looking to be baptized the Holy Spirit because it talked about it. And then, um, but I never spoke with tongues for a while. And so then I was filling out all this paperwork to go to these different schools. And I'd go like this, and then they'd go, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? I'd go, yes, because, man, God was speaking to me live and just uh, he totally just touched me. You know, he's talking to me and doing all this stuff. And then, well, and so so then they'd go, did you speak in tongues? And I'd go, and throw the, why do they do this? You know, that's when I still had my anger issues. Why do they do this? Why do they always ask? Of course I have the Holy Spirit. I hear him talk to me. What do they mean? Speaking in tongues. Blah, blah, blah. And I just go crazy and rant and rave and, and go nuts. And and then, yeah. And then, uh, and then I went to this service. And in the midst of going to that service, um, I decided to get baptized. I went into the tank. They put me under the water. And when I came up, it was like I was electrocuted. I'm not kidding you. And now, I don't remember this. But from my understanding, this is a friend who was there. Because here's what he did. I, I just thought I got electrocuted. And I thought I was praising God with in English at the top of my lungs, just screaming, Rah, praise God, hallelujah, woo you know, because I'm just getting zapped. And my friend, I never even knew I spoke in tongues. So my friend comes up, he goes, man, when you came out of the water, you were speaking in tongues like crazy. And I go, I did? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, you did. And I said, oh, and then off I went and I didn't stop. I didn't stop. I didn't stop. I just, I walked through the house. You know, just going, speaking in tongues, going crazy. <laughs> yeah, so that's how that worked. And so for some people, I can say I speak in tongues more than all of you. So, um, but isn't that interesting how that works? So we want to be just filled with this Holy Spirit because he wants us to be able to pray. He wants us to have all these divine 
I don't like to say it this way, divine tools, divine equipment, divine armor, divine, you know, he gives us everything that we need. And so that's what I want us to participate in. And remember that prayer is probably one of the most powerful things. We, we don't just pray, we have to do. There's no doubt about it. We have to step out. We can't just pray for something and then not do anything about it. But prayer is the thing that releases the glory of God and brings about his purposes, and we participate in that. So, wahoo! Light your hand fire.